This morning we're going to continue on our series of really foundations for what it is to be a Christian and what do we mean by that and also how that gets worked out in this local church, in the Meeting Place Church, and as we try to apply biblical uh, doctrine and principles to our everyday lives. And so we want to continue on with that. And over the last couple of weeks, we've really looked at how when God reveals himself to us through creation, through his church, through his word, through, by the Holy Spirit, and primarily through Jesus Christ, when we have a revelation that we understand who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for us, what Jesus is going to do, then we have a response to that revelation we call that God reveals, he shines his light, he wakes us up to the reality, he wants a relationship with us. And he begins to teach us about what it is, how sin separates, and how Jesus is our Savior, and what the purpose of Christmas is, and what's the purpose of Easter, and all those things. Then we respond, and we repent, we turn from our former ways, we turn to Jesus, we are obedient to him, we put our faith and our trust in him, he puts his spirit within us. And that's what we call about being born again, that God creates something new in us spiritually. And that's a wonderful thing. When we're born again, he puts his spirit in us. And so last week, we took a look at what it is to be a new creation. And we talked about how we're not under law anymore, how it's by grace, how now we're being led by the Holy Spirit. Just the radical changes that take place when you become a Christian. And so it's important for us, it's important if you're not a Christian, you understand what we mean by what it is to be a Christian and to understand the incredible changes that take place, both in a legal sort of sense, but also in an experiential sense. We're going to continue on with that today, and we're going to talk about how not only are we born again and we're a new creation, but we're also born again and we, whether we know it or not, we become part of a new kingdom. So this is where we're going to pick it up, about the kingdom of God. And I've got two scriptures for us. First one is from John chapter 3, and this is Nicodemus and Jesus speaking, and Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God. So that's my point here. And Nicodemus was a very religious man. He came to Jesus at night and he wanted to ask him some sort of questions in secret. And this is where we pick up the story. There was a man of the Pharisees. So that's a religious sort of sect that really um, wanted to obey the law to get right with God. Named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi or teacher, we know that you are a teacher. Come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we talked a couple weeks ago about being born again, but we've got to make the connection that talking about being born again isn't the end goal, it's actually just the beginning. The whole goal is God wants us in his kingdom. And Jesus brings a radical thing to say, in order to see that kingdom, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we're going to come back to that in a minute. We're also going to pick up, and as we saw as we went through the book of Acts, Paul, one of the writers, most of the, a lot of the New Testament, he spoke a lot about the kingdom of God. And this is a fantastic prayer. This is one of my favorite prayers. I steal this from the Bible all the time. Okay, So when I don't know how to pray... And I just can't, I come to this one all the time. So I'm giving you a little helpful hint here this morning. We can borrow Paul's prayer and we can insert our own names and things into it. So this is a really good one. If you don't know how to pray, start here. That's your free freebie for this morning, okay? And Paul writes this in the beginning of Colossians to the church in Colossae. 
And he says, so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. And here's what Paul prays. Asking, you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Woo! I love to see that one answered, isn't it? Every day. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain or the kingdom of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So Paul is very clear, this whole thing about being born again, all that, not only are we born of the Spirit, but we're transferred from the kingdom of darkness now to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of Jesus, the Son whom he loves. And so just as last week we were talking about, you have to learn in a new way a whole lot of things about being a Christian. You've got to understand and learn what it is to be a new creation. So it's also really important that you understand what it is to be part of a new kingdom. Okay, And that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. Not only we're born into a family, we're born into a kingdom. And Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom of God when he was here on earth. And so everywhere he went, he said, hey, the kingdom of God is now near. And when he did all these different things, he said, that's evidence of the kingdom of God. When we're born again, we put our faith in Jesus Christ. God places his spirit within us. Not only are we born again spiritually, we're born into the kingdom of God. Okay? And Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. So it's really, really important that when we talk about the kingdom of God, we have to understand it's not something that you can buy your way into. It's not something that you can just sort of sign up like a membership. Everything we just talked about, repentance, faith, baptism, spirit, all that is so important because that's the way that we enter the kingdom of God. And we realize, as Paul stated, that really there's two kingdoms. The kingdom we start out in here on planet Earth is the domain of darkness that's influenced and under control of Satan here on earth. And as we've talked about many times, about how Adam, Eve sinned, Satan usurped the authority that was given to them to rule over the earth on, as good stewards on God's behalf. And now he rules the world here on planet earth. And folks, before we were Christian, that's the world we lived in. Whether we had any idea or not, okay, that's the world we lived in. And we thought like the world, we were influenced like the world, and our whole value system, thinking, everything was not for God. It was for either ourselves or for somebody else. And I don't think Andy Jones here this morning, I get him to sing for us, okay? Because Andy sings the Bob Dylan song, You're Gonna Have to Serve Somebody, okay? And as Bob Dylan said so rightly in the song, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're all gonna have to serve somebody. I already sang this morning, so I'm not gonna sing again, okay? I'm still kind of shaking from that first time, so I'm not gonna do it again. But that's the point. You have to understand, and this is a biggie, we all think before we're Christians that we're just a free agent or we're neutral, that I'm in charge of my life. So I I want control, I have freedom, we think, okay, and we don't realize it's not true. You're you're serving somebody. Now, it might be some corporate world advertising company that you don't even know about that you're serving, okay? There's a lot of people serving either the Patriots or the Giants 
today who are spending, I was showing Angela the ticket prices of the Super Bowl this week. I mean, thousands. I mean, one, oh, anyways. One ticket was 14500 and the che- cheapest one was, what, 2500 something like that. Okay, moving on. We're going to have to serve somebody, okay? And we have to realize that that's really important, that when we talk about this whole aspect of the kingdom of God, many people think, I'm just a neutral ground, and then maybe I become part of the kingdom of God. Okay? The biggest lie is this, is that you think that you're a free agent, and that you're neutral, and that you're in charge of your life. You're under the influence, whether you know it or not, okay, of the devil who is working to destroy all of the good of God. And when we become born again and we're born into the kingdom of God, we now enter a kingdom. And how do we define the kingdom of God? It's the rule and government and authority of King Jesus. And if you have ears to hear this morning, you would recognize this several times. Kelly started out very first thing with a psalm this morning talking about God ruling and reigning. It's woven into our songs that we sing here this morning about the kingdom of God. That Jesus is the king of his kingdom and he has all power and authority. Okay? Both in a legal sense, but in the muscle to back it up as well. So it's not like some rulers might rubber stamp things or just be sort of a figurehead. Jesus is real. He's ruling and reigning. And Jesus, when he left planet earth, after he conquered sin and death, in Matthew 28, 18 said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And we live in this great tension that the kingdom of God is both now, as Jesus rules and reigns, and it's going to come fully when he returns. So you've got to understand, part of being a Christian is now you're in the kingdom of God, and everything changes. And one of the things that Jesus described as this, we're citizens now of his kingdom. So this morning I brought with me my good Canadian passport. And believe it or not, okay, my citizenship proven by this, affects pretty much everything about my life. Whether you realize it or not, because we just live every day and you don't think much of it. But you take a look at what it is, and for those of you who have come from a different country, you soon realize there are things that you can do and can't do because you aren't yet a citizen of Canada. Okay, And it affects every part of our life. So part of my identity is I am Canadian, not just Molson Canadian, but as in Canadian, I am Canadian. All right? It affects speech, right? We have official languages that we fall under. We have certain freedoms that come with being a Canadian that I can say, hey, I've got the right to vote and all these different things. We have responsibilities that come. Okay? There's all kinds of laws. And so anything to do with money and taxes and all that. And laws tell you that you need to wear your seatbelt and all kinds of different things that affect your everyday life, whether you know it or not. That's what it is. And if you go to a different country, things might change depending upon if you are a citizen or not. And I use that sort of funny illustration, but it's true. Whether you know it or not, when you legally become part of the kingdom of God, it should affect every aspect of your life. And in our culture, we say, we call it, and it's one sense, a worldview. It's this lens that we view the whole world through that affects our goals in life, our attitudes, our actions, our words, and our values. So I'm trying to just kind of wake us up to the reality that as Christians, 
we live in a new kingdom, and we have to begin to realize that because we're part of now the kingdom of God with Jesus as our leader, this should affect everything in our lives. It should affect our attitudes, our actions, our words, and our values. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, you have to realize that you're not just a free agent, neutral, you know, sort of I'm my own boss sort of thing. You're in a different kingdom that wants to rob, kill, and destroy, that will promise you all these things, but the bottom line, both here on planet Earth and for eternity, wants to take you down and separate you from God, and you're being lied to, and all kinds of things going on in this world, whether you can be oblivious to it or not, that affect you, okay? And I was very tempted, for those of you, because I realized we've got a whole next generation, past the matrix even, of doing the whole two pills, okay? You've got to wake up to the reality of that movie uh, with Keanu Reeves, that he's got a choice to make that all his whole life he's been living in one world that has been, he didn't realize, was a whole other thing until he takes the pill and he wakes up to the reality things aren't what they appear to be. And folks, that's what a lot of it is to be a Christian. You have a wake up to the reality. I didn't know I was being influenced in this way. Okay? And so our goal now is now we don't live to please ourselves. Our goal now is to please God. And so we have to find out what pleases God. And the primary way we do that is through the Word of God. So we have His truth that we can dig into. Again, we don't have to do it on ourselves. He's given us His Holy Spirit, our teacher, comforter, counselor, advocate. He's the one who leads us into all truth. He reminds us of the teachings of Jesus. Okay, We have the church. So even this morning, part of what we're doing every Sunday is we're helping to educate you on daily life things of what it is to be a Christian, to be born again, to be part of the kingdom of God, that as we find out what pleases God with our attitude, with our actions, with our words and speech, with our values, it should affect all of these things. So all of a sudden, my lifestyle is going to be influenced by what pleases God. So when I read, don't get drunk on wine, that influences my decisions. So I'm not going to get drunk on wine. Okay, not a legalistic thing. Don't get drunk on anything besides the Holy Spirit. That's the point. Because <laughs> this is it. But Robin makes a good point. Okay? We all, I say we're going to serve somebody, we're all going to be filled with something. Okay? And the reality is, why do people get drunk? There are many reasons. Jesus provides, not only does he say, not get drunk and leave it just there, he says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So all the escapism, all the pleasure and joy we might get from being drunk for a short time, we can have long-term with the help of the Holy Spirit. But do you see how now the Bible and being part of the kingdom of God affects your lifestyle that maybe you didn't think of before? Okay? Because it affects your values and it affects your decision-making. It affects your goals in life. And man, we're big about goals. Have a mission statement for your life. Have goals. Have priorities, all these things, that should now come under a different worldview of looking at what does Jesus say. So we have to understand, what does seek first the kingdom of God? Did you get that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What does that mean in everyday life? Those are the things we have to wrestle with. And being born again is the starting point, And we have to work out what those things mean. What's my purpose in life? Okay. And that affects how do we value money? And what do we do with money? Are we generous? Are we remembering the poor? All those things come from being part of the kingdom of God. 
our views on sex have to come under being part of the kingdom of God. How we view suffering, how we have our viewpoint of eternity, all those things should look different from other worldviews and how the world sees things. And if, and some of this, I mean, we've got to work out because sometimes things can look, two people can do the same thing but have different motivations. So sometimes we have to work those things out. So we have to be careful not to be too judgmental. But for every one of us, the question being, on all of these things, in our attitudes, actions, on all of these important things, are they being influenced, ruled in a good way, being led by Jesus and how his kingdom is, or by something else? That's the question I want to ask this morning. It's a humbling thing, because we can be so part of the world, we don't even understand that maybe we're not different. Or we get blinded to things in the Bible that we don't bring ourselves in line to, because now we're part of the kingdom of God. So it's very challenging. But again, we have God's Word. We have the Holy Spirit. Okay? We have Jesus and His example, His model. We have the church to help us in it, that God's provided for us to understand things of the kingdom of God. Okay? I'm going to tackle one biggie here this morning that falls under this, and I'm just going to speak directly into it, is when we become part of the kingdom of God, we have a new authority in our life. So again, we might have thought we were in charge of our life. We might have been involved in some other cult or religion or new age thing. We might have been involved in, you know, money might have been the God of our life. Sex might have been the God of our life. Relationships, whatever it might be. The bottom line is this. When we become a Christian, we're born into a new kingdom. We've got Jesus now as king. We have a new authority in our life. And we have to understand that. And we have to establish that early on as followers of Jesus Christ, that we are following Jesus Christ. Therefore, he has authority over my life. And we submit to him. And that's one of the things, Paul says this a little bit further on in Colossians. He says, for in him, Jesus, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. So folks, this is an important and a big one for us to understand right from the start, this whole issue of authority is a big deal. And I think you could say that for both us in our relationship with God and on planet Earth, most of the trouble that happens on planet Earth and suffering and all of that has to do with the issue of authority. Either misuse of authority or lack of respect for authority. The two extremes. And we see Adam and Eve in the garden. It was about really the authority of God. So Satan came along and tempted and really he attacked God's authority and they swallowed the lie. Nothing much has changed. And actually when Jesus came, you go through the Gospels, you'll see the word authority many times. It says that Jesus taught and they were amazed at his authority. So Jesus brought authority in his teaching when he was here on planet Earth. Jesus also did this. He took authority over sickness. And he brought healing everywhere he went. Jesus also went along and he cast out demons. He took control over evil spirits because he had authority to do so. Jesus even had authority over nature, didn't he? He could stand up, be still, and the storm stopped. Jesus was a man full of authority. So authority is a big deal even when it comes along to Jesus. And Jesus also gave this. He had authority to forgive people. 
And that's what he got really nailed to the cross for. They said, you're, comparing your, you're, you're saying that you're God. And we see when he healed the man, he forgave his sins as well. He had authority. He also said this, he's going to have authority to determine our eternal judgment. So he said, my father's going to give me authority to determine heaven or hell for each one of us. That's when Jesus was here on earth. Now we see Jesus exalted. He's ascended back into heaven. We see he's at the Father's right hand. And it says that he's seated in all majesty, power, and authority. And that's what we were singing about this morning. That Jesus rules over everything. That he is in supreme authority. And I don't have all the time to go through all the verses. But if you look at Romans 13, 1 Peter, um, back in Exodus, in Colossians, in Hebrews... He says this, all authority of governments, rulers, husbands, parents, bosses, church leaders, all proceed from Jesus. Okay? And we don't have time to get into all the things, but I'm just going to make the point today because it, affects, it should affect every aspect of our life. Jesus is the head of his church. He leads his church. And the question is, if Jesus isn't our highest authority, then who is? That's a good question. But here's the thing about authority. Jesus is not only in authority, Jesus is also our model for being under authority. And so I want to spend a few minutes on this because I need us in a kingdom perspective to change our view, probably a lot of it, on what it is to be in authority and what it is to be under authority. And so the Bible uses the words like submit a lot. And woof, in our world, that is a bad term. Okay, And if we don't understand things from a kingdom perspective, then a lot of the things we read in the Bible, either we're going to have difficult time with and we're not going to believe, and or we're never going to try to teach anyone else these things. So a lot of times in church life, a lot of the toughest passages get skipped over because it's too controversial, it's too, it goes, it flies, it offends us, and we skip over them. Folks, we've got to have a kingdom perspective And if we can come back to Jesus and say, Jesus is our example of one in authority. So he didn't misuse authority. He's a great example in authority. Okay, He brought in this Father's will and he executed authority with love and compassion. He confronted hypocrisy. He wasn't afraid to confront things in truth. He had compassion. He came as a servant. All these things. So he's an example for us in authority. But he's also an example of us under authority. So all the way along, Jesus could say this. I've come, I've been sent from my Father, and I'm only going to do what my Father has sent me to do. And he'd say things like this. I only do what I see my Father doing. I only say what my Father wants me to say. I've been sent with authority, but I know my purpose. So he could say no to other things because no, I have to do my Father's will. Even right when he was like 12 years old, He was saying, I'm about my Father's business. And Jesus is our example, both of being in authority, but one of being under authority. And it reveals the Trinity to us. It reveals Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and this great mystery of one Godhead being equal, equally God, but yet having different roles and functioning together. And that's our example for us in every aspect of life. For our families, for church life, as we're going to see even in the workplace. So this is really important for us to get a clear 
understanding under the kingdom of God, we're looking at things through a different lens. We're looking at, if you can understand, this will help us so much, that Jesus is our example. In authority, which I think we can kind of get, but Jesus was also an example of one who respected authority and submitted himself. The Bible says he submitted himself to his Father's will. So the bottom line is this. It's just as godly to be like Jesus in being in authority, but this is radical. It's godly and to be like Jesus to respect and submit to authority as well. And folks, if we can understand that, that will help take a lot of the negative emotion because most of us have all had bad experiences when we're dealing with authority, either maybe in a family situation with our parents or lack of parents, maybe in an employment situation. Authority gets abused all the time. So it can be domineering and, you know, dictatorial. It can be at that extreme. It can be not there. It's passive, absent. Okay? And we suffer the effects of both of those. But folks, you have to realize that the Bible talks a lot, and this is why it's so important, the Bible gives a lot of teaching about husbands and wives, about parenting, about employers and employees, all these different things. And if we don't have the starting point back with Jesus, okay, we're going to wrestle and struggle with all these things. So there's lots of teaching husbands and wives. And folks, I'll be bold enough to say it. Words like wives submit to your husbands are in there. And we have to wrestle. What does it mean? to do that. We also have to wrestle with, as guys, what does it mean to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for the church? We have to wrestle with those ones. And we have to come back to Jesus every time. And we have to say, Jesus, would you help me understand these things? And guys, you've got to focus on what Jesus says to you. And women, you need to focus on what Jesus says to you. And don't, guys, don't go pointing out to the women what Jesus says to them. And ladies, don't go out to the men and point what Jesus says to them, okay? Stick to your own business, and if we're doing that, we'll all do well. And here's the other thing. We realize, and we're going to get to it with employers and employees as well, okay? As humans, we live in the now and the not yet. Okay, we're not perfect, and sometimes authority does get abused, okay? And husbands don't treat their wives very well. So we're not saying that you have to submit to everything Husband says, the Bible says this, if someone in authority isn't godly in it, you can appeal to a higher authority. So here in church life, if a husband isn't treating their wife right, they can come to us as elders of the church and they can say, hey, this is what's going on in my house and we'll step in and try to work with it. Okay? And if things get out of hand, sometimes we have to go to the police. We can appeal to a higher authority. We appeal to God's word and say, this is what scripture says, we have to walk this through. Okay, so our heart is, and this is the root thing, our heart is we want to be willing to work together, but obedience, sometimes we have to say no to things. Okay, and so we've prevented or helped some women not go back to their husbands who are being abusive, but their heart is they want to be. You see the difference between the two? And this is where in church it gets messed up a lot, okay? So you've got to understand when we talk about anything with authority, this can happen as we talk about with parents and kids. Okay, if kids are getting beat up, they can appeal to a higher authority. And we will deal with those things. So it's a big one. And I'm saying you've got to start with a kingdom worldview, a kingdom perspective when we talk about authority. 
and you cannot read these verses that are quite controversial in the Bible that I'm sure many people struggle with, you can't look at them unless you understand the context of looking at them through a kingdom perspective. Okay? Husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And husbands, if you're loving and serving and preferring and listening and understanding and sacrificing for your wife, most of the time, 99, you never, you never have to talk about submission or anything like that. Okay? And wives, if you're looking to God and you're asking for help and you're respecting and honoring your husband and you're in a partnership together and you understand that you have a voice and that you can be heard and at the end of the day, most of the time, you're going to make your decisions together and there's going to be a few times when the responsibility is going to lie with the husband to make a decision humbly that he needs to make that you are then trusting in God to work that out. That should be a model in our society. Not lording it over. Okay? And husbands not being passive and absent where you just let the wife have to shoulder all the responsibility. It should look radically different. It should okay, look like the Trinity. So instead of our marriages okay, being either the extreme where the male dominates and dictates and is the boss and the woman is a doormat, that is not godly. That's not what we're talking about. But it's also not the woman makes all the decisions and it's left with all the responsibility because the guy is lazy and passive and absent. That's our goal that we're going for is together, honoring God, putting God first, seeking God together, serving, loving one another. At the end of the day, if the husband's responsible, he'll stand before God to give an account of how he led his family. That's what we're talking about. And that affects parenting. There's all kinds of examples. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Children, honor and obey your parents. And there's a promise that goes with it. Your days will go well if you do that. It's a great promise from God. Okay? We've got to teach that one a bit more, I think, Ange in our home. But anyways. Okay? And do you see how there's responsibility on everybody involved? There's responsibility on parents. There's responsibility on children. Folks, it should affect, if you're single, okay? Being a Christian, having a kingdom perspective should affect you, okay? So everybody you meet isn't a potential partner that you're viewing, okay, as a meat market out at, well, they changed the name now. It used to be Sweetwater, IROC, and all of that, okay? You should have a kingdom perspective, okay? You should have a kingdom perspective on dating, okay? The physical stuff's going to come last once you're married, Okay? And you're going to work on friendship. You're going to work on, hey, how's my relationship with God? I'm going to work on, instead of trying to change somebody else, I'm going to work on how can I become a better get ready for marriage. Do you understand how being a part of the kingdom of God should affect every aspect of our life? Okay? And I'm taking the risk because we have to. It's easy to talk about in some sense money and stuff like that because it's we're talking about husband and wife, dating. This is the real stuff. Being single, remaining single if that's what God's called you okay and God will help you with that these are the real things and it carries over into kingdom work as well okay we have to have a kingdom perspective on work okay as a Christian okay we can redeem work that we can honor God with our work and we have to take responsibility if I'm unemployed okay the Bible says primarily if you're able not to be idle not to be lazy but to work to serve even to 
volunteer. We've got to take responsibility for that. As employees, you should be the best workers as Christians that there is, that we're responsible. Other people might take shortcuts. Other people might be lazy. Other people might be workaholics. We're going to have that balance of a kingdom perspective. We're going to be honest and integrous because the Bible says, actually, who are we actually working for? We're actually working for Jesus. So even if your boss mistreats you and all that, you're not going to steal from them, all that. I'm working for Jesus. As an employer, okay, we're reminded, as an employer, for those of you who are overseeing people, that you are being overseen as well, that Jesus is your boss. And how Jesus treats you, that's how you should treat your employees, that you should be fair and honest and generous and compassionate and speak the truth in love. All those different things. Okay? The Bible says this, whatever you do, eat, drink, whatever it is, do it all for the glory of God. That's a kingdom perspective. Okay? So you can have a horrible boss and you can still honor God. You can have horrible employees and you can still honor God. Folks, all of that combines to this. That as the kingdom of God, you've got a new role and a new title as well. That there's so many things that come with being a Christian that are good. But now we're, the Bible says, Christ's ambassadors. He's the king. We're his delegates. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. That every one of us, if you're a Christian, you are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And you just think about what it is to be an ambassador. So Canada has ambassadors living in other countries that represent Canada. They speak on behalf of the government. They're identified that when they're there, it's as if they were back in the homeland of Canada. Their identity is, we're Canadian, we're representing Canada. Whenever we find ourselves, each one of us, rich, poor, whatever, educated, uneducated, doesn't matter. If you're a Christian, you're an ambassador everywhere you go. You're a representative of Jesus Christ. That he's given you delegated authority. That we are the spokespeople for Jesus Christ. That everywhere we go, we represent Jesus Christ. Now folks, that's a humbling, but yet a very exciting reality. And I don't know how many times I catch myself in different situations where I want to react out of the flesh or I even justified to react as the world would react. I have to remind myself I'm of a different kingdom. I've got a different leader and my reaction should be different because I'm an ambassador and how am I representing Jesus in this situation? And thankfully, most of the time we can call, well, we can do it all the time. I'm saying I don't do it all the time. We can ask for, as we talked about last week, his grace to empower us. And we have his Holy Spirit to help us so that we can try to have, as we abide in Christ, the fruit of the Spirit okay, be our reaction. That sometimes situations as an ambassador, us forgiving people is a radical difference from how the world would do things. For sometimes to us to ask for forgiveness is a radical thing. So every one of us is an ambassador of Jesus Christ. That's part of being in the kingdom of God. We represent Jesus and we don't represent him just sort of um, as again, we, we represent him with authority. We have authority that we lay hands on the sick and we pray to see them made well, that we cast out demons in Jesus' name, that we preach the gospel with power. There's authority because we are in Christ and we're representing 
And the great thing is, this is where the analogy breaks down for Canada have an ambassador. We have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. And the great thing is, we get to be a personal ambassador of Jesus, and we together get to be ambassadors for Christ as well. That we get to do this together. And the Bible uses all kinds of different ways to say that as an ambassador, we're salt and light. That we bring flavor everywhere we go. We preserve, that's what salt does, it brings flavor. We should bring in the flavor of God everywhere we go. And this is the great thing about the kingdom of God, and this is why it's ever-increasing, because every one of us is in a different spot. Okay, and that's the great thing about wherever you go. So whether it's you working in the government, he brings in the kingdom of God. Okay, and we can go through all the different situations and places that you guys are going all the time, every day. Okay, that's the great thing. And we get to preserve God's truth. So the salt does the other thing. It preserves, okay? It prevents things from getting rotted. Well, we preserve God's vision, God's values, all those things. We're light in a dark place. Okay, so whenever we speak truth, whenever we love people, whenever we serve people, we're the hands and feet of Jesus, all those things. We're bringing light into a dark world. And the Bible says this, that we're, Jesus said, you're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So there's a corporate part that as we as church and great churches here in Fredericton together, okay, we can do more together than we ever could apart. We're a witness together that we're a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And so you just think about all the different things we do as a church. Our life groups, you guys meeting in people's homes this week, you're a light in your neighborhood, in your community. At street level, okay, maybe on the sandwich run, handing out a sandwich, that's being salt and light in a city on a hill. Monday night, our drop-in, our fuel, our youth, all of you in high school who are serving Jesus where you are, you're being a light at the university, you're being a light wherever you are, raising your kids at home, you're being salt and light if you're bringing your kids up with a kingdom of God perspective. And the great thing, we'll close on this, is that, and these are what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks, is that we see that the kingdom of God is ever-increasing. It's always advancing. Jesus is always moving forward. And the primary way he moves ahead and advancing the kingdom of God is through local churches. That's how he does it. He gets community of people together. And you might start out with one or two, but we build community. And we see that all the way through the book of Acts that we just studied in the last year. Okay, people went out at a persecution, whatever. And it might have just been ones or twos at the beginning, but over time, a community was established to make disciples that continued to go out and make disciples. So the church is the primary means of extending the kingdom of God. That's why we're so passionate about church. And this local church is working together. And so for us, that's what we've been trying to do here humbly for the last number of years, is we've been trying to build a healthy church here of passionate followers of Jesus Christ who have a kingdom perspective on things, and we're believing that as we do that, and as we follow Jesus and his leading by his Holy Spirit, we're going to multiply, and we're going to establish new churches here around us, and hopefully to the nations. And so uh, about, what, 14 months ago, Adam and Kim Jay, who were with us for several years, um, moved to Prince Edward Island. That's where Adam's from, felt called there. And we felt when they left that, you know what, we feel like we're sending them and we don't have a sweet clue how we're going to do it, but we just feel like we're going to be working together somewhere down the road, not knowing we have no one to go with you. You're going on your own. 
Hope it all works out well. We'll keep in touch with you. And we've been praying for them at TAG. And we've kept in relationship. And we've gone over many times to visit them. And they've been over here. And as we sought God together in prayer and just in building relationship, and there's been different prophecies and things like that, we believe that God's moving things um, forward. And so this morning, with great joy, we get to share some news with you that we're going to continue to pray into over the next 18 months or so. As we've been seeking God together, we believe maybe God's provided someone in a family who feel more and more called to eventually make their way to Prince Edward Island to possibly um, look at forming a church together in partnership with Adam and Kim. And so this morning, I'll put the name up and then I'll give you some background explanation. So we have a couple, Andrew and Janet um, Dreiser, who are from Owen Sounds, Ontario. Andrew is an elder at the church in Owen Sound. They've been here a few times now, and they'll be with us again here in April. And, uh, and their family, they have six kids, um, ranging from about age 11 to like 24 or so. And so they've got a couple in university. And the last couple of years, Andrew and Janet have really felt a call to church plant, and they've just been trying to sort out what that looks like and how, and they've never done it before, and Andrew owns his own business. He's a carpenter. And over the last, really, year, um, as we sought God together, they've been feeling from their end more and more that Charlottetown could be the place for them. And obviously, we've made connections. They've been over to see Adam and Kim and working together. And so we feel right now that we're in this tension of somewhat we've got a green light that things are falling into place when you go through all the our five CSs of Scripture and compelling spirit and common sense and counsel of the saints and circumstantial signs to keep moving ahead. But we're also cautious to say, and Andrew and Janet are as well, they've never church planted before. We've never sent anyone out before. So we said, can we do this? And this is what seemed good to us with Don Smith, Jeremy Simpkins' input as well, is Andrew and Janet, they're going to move here this summer and we're going to let them come and be part of our church for at least a year, so they can, again, build more relationship with us, get more training, help understand our vision and values and all of these things to be equipped. And we're going to see in that year, if, we're able, if we have more and more of a green light, some of you might, as you build relationship, feel called to maybe go as well. And with a little asterisk beside it, say our goal would be after that year or so for Andrew and Janet and their family to move to Charlottetown as well and to look at starting uh, a church plant there with Adam and Kim being involved. Now, the asterisk is this. We've got the green light. We feel to do that much. But we're also cautious to say there's a lot of things that still have to go in place. And after they get here for a year, there might be a few things like this. They might say, we thought your church was wonderful. We hate it. We're not going to go with you guys, okay? That could be a possibility, all right? We hope not, but we leave it there. Hey, we might feel, you know what, guys, we love you and everything, but we don't think you're ready to go. And it would be premature, and maybe we need to stay another year. Maybe at the end of it, you know, who knows all those different things. So that's why we're just being cautious. So it's that walking by faith, and yet there's a reality of we want to make sure we don't want to send someone out to fail, and we want to make sure that we're hearing from God and all these things. So it's a big step of faith. They're selling their business. That's what they're working through right now. They're going to sell their house. They're moving here, so bless them. They are doing their part. We feel this is the next step forward for them to come here this summer, be with us for a whole calendar year. It will give time for you guys to get to know them. They can 
be involved in prayer meetings and church life and life groups and training and all the different things of just normal church life to absorb what it is as we're going to be working together. And then our goal would be at the end of that year, we can reevaluate all along to maybe look at them going, maybe some of us going um, with them as God directs and starting something in Charlottetown, um, you know, in a year and a half or so. So that's the plan thus far. And so obviously now Andrew and Janet have been able to share this with their church throughout January. So we're waiting for them to do that. We couldn't announce it much earlier because Andrew still has his business. So for him to share, he would have lost his business. So he's been trying to hand off his business. So a lot of these things have been like a year in the making. So it might seem like a shock to you this morning, but we had to kind of keep it under wraps for all those different practical things before we were able to share. Now we can share. Now we can be more purposeful and praying and seeking God together. And some of the things that we've always felt God say to us over years sort of could be the beginnings of some of those things being fulfilled. Okay? So it's an exciting thing. It's scary as well. And uh, as again, we've never done this before, but we'll leave with God's help. These are early days of seeing us being able to extend the kingdom of God through local churches that are passionate followers of Jesus Christ. Okay? So that's good news. That's exciting. And how about, I'm going to just finish there. There's a few other things, but let's uh, wrap it up there. Can you stand with me? Let's just pray into this now, both for us locally, but for Andrew and Janet. I got a text from Andrew this morning just saying they're praying for us. As they know, we're going to be sharing this this morning. And we just want to ask for God's help in this and to see how we get to do this together. Okay? So let me pray. Father in heaven, once again, we just want to thank you for your kingdom. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the king of your kingdom. And we thank you that it was prophesied in Isaiah that you would have an ever-increasing kingdom, that the government would be upon your shoulders. It would be a kingdom of peace ever moving forward. And we thank you that it's a kingdom filled with righteousness and love and joy in the Holy Spirit. We thank you it's a kingdom of salvation and healing and deliverance and release. And we thank you that you have transferred us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your Son. And we thank you that we get to be part now of being your ambassadors, that we now are led by your Holy Spirit. We bring ourselves under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we say, come and build your church. Lord, and we pray, God, for Andrew and Janet and their family this morning. God, thank you that they're seeking you, that they're being obedient. Lord, they're giving up great things, Lord, in order to put you first. God, and we pray, Lord, in this transition, Lord, we pray for their business to be sold. Lord, we pray for them, Lord, to have a clear path to make it here this summer for housing and all the different things. Lord, we pray, Lord, help us together as a church to love them and embrace them, Lord. We want to seek you together. God, we thank you for Adam and Kim, Lord, and for their... Uh, willingness to go and to really pioneer, God, even on their own, Lord, to trust you. And Lord, we pray, Lord, we just want to lift up these next 18 months to you, Lord. We pray for your wisdom, your direction, your revelation, God, your faith and courage to follow hard after you. And God, I pray, Lord, for us here this morning, God, for these things, Lord, that are difficult issues, Lord, to understand and try to apply to our lives, Lord, being under your authority. God, I pray for marriages. I pray for families. pray for those who are single, Lord, I pray for those who are divorced, trying to figure things out. God, we pray for your help of your Holy Spirit. God, to follow Jesus, to know what that looks like in every one of our lives. 
And God, I pray a real commissioning as well, God, this morning as your ambassadors. God, everywhere we go, Lord, may we bring about the kingdom of God. May we represent Jesus well, Holy Spirit. Would you anoint us to really represent Jesus well, to share good news about the kingdom of God. We pray for your glory, God, for your honor, for your name. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.